Hi there, and welcome to episode 13 of the T21 Mom podcast. I'm Mary, and I will be your host. Each episode, we will talk about life, Down syndrome, mamahood, single parenting, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's six years old and rocking an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome. And I'm living life my way. On today's episode, I am so excited to have our next guest, Jen Jacob, join us. I hear you two had a great conversation. We did, and we're going to talk all about the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network and, of course, the retreat. All right, let's go talk to Jen. I'm so excited that today we have Jen Jacob, the Executive Director of the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, on our show today and obviously a lot of people in our down center community know who you are but i'm sure there's some that don't so perhaps you could just give us a little snapshot about you sure absolutely so i'm jen i have four children Mm -hmm. our youngest son owen has down syndrome and he is six and a half right now so getting towards that age seven and you know that's just our life, four kids, busy, and this is my gig during the day and night and weekend, I guess. <laughs> Parent life, yeah, four kids, that's busy. Yes, I, yeah, yes. I grew yes. up with three brothers, so I can appreciate that, but I only just have one kiddo, so, but I'm still busy, probably not as busy <laughs> as you. <laughs> no, I think we're all equally busy, and especially doing all the other amazing things we're all doing, so it's yes, and fun, busy life, I'll take it. Of course, yes. And of course, all the amazing things that you do for the DSDN and the retreat. So, which is what we're going to talk about today, because on many of the previous podcasts, I've talked about the DSDN, Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network. We just call it DSDN for short. And also the retreat, which we can talk about later. But why don't you tell us how it all started? Yeah, you know, I would never have imagined we would be right here today, honestly, after um, I had a prenatal likely diagnosis with Owen, and Mm -hmm. we, I started to kind of reach out a little bit online to people and found some really great connections. And after he was born, though, I just, there were things that were going on that I wasn't sure if it was, you know, an Owen thing, if it was Down syndrome related, I just wasn't sure. And so I Mm -hmm. reached out on Baby Center to other moms and just said, you know, anybody else who's just had a baby also do you want to form a group and just start talking about what life is like for us right now? And within just a few weeks, we had 150 moms from all over the world and started talking and, you know, sharing our diagnosis experiences, sharing, you know, what life of a newborn was like. And it was really just amazing. Just incredible. Yeah. I'm an old baby center, you know, user as well. I haven't been on there in a long time. I just now go on to DSDN for everything. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like we found our spot and, you know, once people started really connecting, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, the things we were all sharing and it was so personal and connected Mm -hmm. that we said, okay, we're going to close this group up. Like this feels like it's getting personal enough that we don't want to invite a ton more people into this group. And so then we got more messages and people kept saying, because they'd seen the message on baby center and they said, I just had a baby too. Can I, is there a group for me to join? (laughs) So at that point, about every six months, I was just creating a new birth club group. And I wasn't really super involved in the first few groups, except the one I was a part of for Mm -hmm. myself. And people kind of got them started and kept going and having their conversations. And then, you know, we, we, I'd always wanted to write. And so I 
had the idea to really just collect diagnosis stories from moms. And Mm -hmm. so we put it out there and we got about 80 stories for that first book, Unexpected. And after we read it, one of the moms in our original group said, you know, I feel like there's just more work that needs to be done here. What if we started a nonprofit? And I'm like, okay. And this is Heather Bradley. So, (laughs) you know, she, she, she knows exactly what she needs to do in life. And she's just amazing too. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, what if we start this nonprofit and we focus on medical providers and we focus on new families and I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we had that conversation even really early on, like in the summer of 2013. So, you know, our kids, just yeah, the like first year months. of our Owen's kids life. Were only a few months. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. They were not very old. Our kids, Izzy and Owen, were only about six to eight months old when we started everything. And we got a parent advisory group together and a mm-hmm. bunch of other moms that just wanted to really come along with us on this. And we launched officially in 2014 on World Down Syndrome Day. And, mm-hmm. you know, I guess there's no looking back. That's where it started. And it's been just wow. incredible. Like five. Yeah. So then it would have, so that was the start yeah, tw- um, in 2014 years. was the start of yeah. DSDN. Yeah. Official start date. Official yeah. start date. Wow. Five years. And who would have thought that how big it is now that it's such a huge resource for people. And I know you said you typically split the birth groups. So because I guess, because they get so big, I guess, or is it because the first year there's a lot of things that happen in the first year, but what's the reasoning behind that? That's, that's exactly it. You know, it was kind of one of those imperfect sciences throughout, you know, we were seeing and learning so much is just about connecting and online connections and families, diagnosis experiences and journeys. And it just became really clear that when people were connecting right away during those most crucial times, it just has a different feel than when you say to people like, oh, hey, do you want to join me in a Facebook group? And you've already, you know, had a 10-year-old or a five-year-old or Mm -hmm. even a two-year-old. And so we just found that keeping those groups kind of small to start with and really connected to people who other just had babies was really the perfect formula. And so that's kind of where it started. Now, we then found out, though, that people were bummed when they would get to a point and say, oh, I didn't know, you know, I wasn't a part of groups then, or, you know, I didn't even know it was an option. And so that's where we've expanded. So that way, we really do have a space for everybody to be able to find other parents and connect with parents that have kids the same age. And so for people who have older kids, because Ainsley's, you know, Ainsley is close in age to Owen. And so for kids, so for people who maybe have kids who are say 10 years old or older, like where can they join? Yep. So we, on our connections page, you can click right to the the links for all of the birth club groups. And so we now have a birth club group for a parent that has a child at any age. So we have some of the older kid um, groups grouped up a little differently. So Mm -hmm. there's like a before 2000 group and a 2001 to 2005, 2006 to 2011. And then- start from there yeah oh that's great so everyone because I I knew that there was some I had seen other posts of people with older kids but I wasn't quite sure how they were connected like in the group so that's yeah that's awesome and so you mentioned that you did the diagnosis story so is that a printed book like or is it online or how can people get it Yep. So for Unexpected, our goal with that was really to just make it as accessible to as many people as possible at the moment they need it. So all the stories are uploaded online at our website. Mm -hmm. Um, That original website was missiont21.com. Oh, really? I didn't. I recognize that, but I did not know that that was 
affiliated with DSDN. Okay. Yes. So, you know, we did it kind of before DSDN. So, you know, we use it as a resource and DSDN has supported the website too for a few years now, but really, and we're working on getting some updated stories for that too, because, you know, since we started, like the new screenings and things have Mm -hmm. come into play. So we have a lot more moms and dads that are getting a likely diagnosis, but not maybe a confirmed diagnosis until after birth. And so we want to start sharing some of those stories as well. But yep, our hope is that a parent could Google it and sit down and just read stories. You know, if they just gave birth in the hospital and got a birth diagnosis, they can read 20 other parents' stories about what it was like for them and how they navigated it, what they were feeling, and just really hoping that they don't feel alone in all of the thoughts that they're having, because we know that even though we each have our own journey, there are so many similar stories that go through and lessons and all of that. So we want every family to know that it's okay with whatever they're feeling. Other people feel it exactly too. Yes, yes. And I I love that. That's, That's wonderful. And you also wrote another book, so do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I don't know when you have time to do all this with four kids and and everything else <laughs> no, that you do. Yeah. But what I, what's, I tell us either. a little bit about the other book that you also wrote. Yeah, so the other books, you know, I I always wanted to write and we got unexpected done and it was such a process and I did a lot of the parts of it and helped people help help people help edit and do all of those pieces. But then a couple of years ago, I think it was in 2014 or 2015, I can't even recall, isn't that terrible? <laughs> Someone reached out from a publishing company and said, we are looking to have a book written. We've had people ask about more books for parents raising a child with Down syndrome. We got your name and found your website and we're you know, looking for information and we would love it if you would help author this book. What do you oh, think? Wow. Yeah. And that was in like May or March. Oh, gosh, I can't even remember the timeline now, but it was in the spring. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they said, by the way, we need this like in two months. Like, what do you think? And <laughs> so, you know, and me as a book lover, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't say no to this. Like, yeah, I can't. I no. have to, I have to do this. But then I also, you know, they wanted it to really be a, you know, pregnancy through adulthood book. And gosh, Owen was only like three years old at that point. So oh my gosh. I clearly had, you know, no experience beyond that. And even just my own, you know, experience to that point. Mm-hmm. So I was able to talk with them about bringing on a co-author and I had met Marjorie Sakura and read a lot of her writing. And I just, I knew she would be the perfect fit. And she was also just crazy enough to say, yes, like, yeah, let's do this. And so we said yes, and it got it written. We spent like several weeks just really digging in and reading or researching and collecting stories from families Mm -hmm. and quotes and getting it put together. And then we got it out there and the book came out, yeah, I think three years ago at this point. So I think it was in 2016 is when it officially launched. I think so, because I think that's when I've got a copy of it too, but I didn't realize, like, did you guys manage to get it done in two months? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. We did, we did. And, you know, a lot of it was part of our, my, the part of the book that I was really interested in is that they really wanted it to be parent stories and a parent side of things, you know? Mm -hmm. So there was obviously a lot of research into, a lot of the different parts and the medical sides of things and 
we just had so many amazing people help contribute to the book. But having, you know, being able to share a lot of parent stories, it was so fulfilling to me to get people's stories out there and mm-hmm. have their experiences shared. So that way other parents knew that, again, that they weren't alone in what was going on. Yeah. And and the name of that book, can you share with us what the name of the book is? Sure. It's A Parent's Guide to Down Syndrome. And oh my gosh, there's a hugely long title about advocacy and that terrible that I don't even know. But the if whole, they just, if they just Google Parent's Guide to Down Syndrome, it will come up, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it will come right up. Yep. And it's, let's see, a parent's guide to Down syndrome, advice, information, inspiration, and support for raising your child from diagnosis through adulthood. That is a so, title. <laughs> yeah, we did not, we didn't name the book. So that was part of the fun with working with a publisher. They had several parts that were kind of done for us. So. Wow. And that, how amazing that they approached you guys. I, I, again, I didn't know that. I thought the two of you just decided to embark on this on your own, you know, with, all the time that you have but (laughs) but it's such a great thing yeah because another woman that I just recently had on the t21 mom podcast she does the baskets of love and I know that she puts a book she puts um the book in the baskets which is lovely so yeah Yeah. no it's it's a great resource for you know especially people who are new to this journey like you know we all need everything that we can get to help us so that's wonderful. Yeah. And I I hope that it adds to that layer of support for families and it's broken up by ages of your child. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're not ready to read all of the adulthood stuff yet, you can just read it in the chunks that you need it for and mm-hmm. then come back to it when you're ready for it. When you're ready. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. exactly. I, that's what I recall too. I go, okay, I don't really need to know that right now. I can just read the stuff that pertains to me at this, at, you know, at Ainsley's age now. So, which is, which is awesome. And, you know, because and I also have lots of other books that I also need to continue reading too, right? Don't we all? Yes. I know. It's like, oh, I have this huge stack. I go, yeah, this is the stack that I need to read. And these are the, this is the stack, which is much smaller that I want to read. So, uh-huh. yeah. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. Yeah. And, you know, and I just love like everything that the DSDN does. And, you know, I know part of your, or I guess your main mission, well, maybe you can explain more, but is to educate and provide accurate information to doctors and medical practitioners on delivering a diagnosis. And so was this sort of based on your own diagnosis story or like, I've read lots of really terrible stories of how people have received the diagnosis. And mine was Mm -hmm. just over the phone. It wasn't good, but it wasn't really bad either. It was just kind of in the middle, but so if, did you want to, can you talk a little bit about that and how it sort of sure. came about? Yeah, really my diagnosis experience was similar to yours. You know, my doctor shared the, it, when we did our anatomy scan that they found a few soft markers and they mm-hmm. thought potentially there was something else going on. And so at that point they sent us over to the MFM specialists and, mm-hmm. you know, we did more scans and then we ended up doing one of the new non-invasive screens. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. The same thing. We got a call from the genetics counselor confirming the positive screen. So we kind of, and we got resources and we had information. So ours was, yeah, just not really remarkable either way. But in true writing unexpected and reading all those stories, I mean, some stories were just unbelievable what people mm-hmm. were being told. And that is what really propelled us to think like, what can we do to help support this from the parent side? And we knew that there's there's other organizations that are working on some of these things too. We were, were working closely and Stephanie Meredith of Lettercase has been a great mentor to us and mm-hmm. kind of guide 
as we've done things. And so we recommend and use a lot of her materials. The national groups really weren't doing a ton on this. Mm -hmm. And we felt like this would be a space that we could kind of carve out and say, okay, you know, they're working with families, you know, from birth through adulthood. So we can just kind of focus in this space and hopefully do it justice and really work with medical providers about bringing awareness to the the diagnosis guidelines and recommendations, and then what it feels like from a parent side and how we can kind of help bridge that gap that was clearly there. Mm -hmm. And so did you have an amnio to, cause that's just still a screening through the right. scans, right? Then did you, did you wait it right. out or did you go and have an amnio to confirm? Nope. Actually, when we had our non-invasive screen, they didn't, it was like one of the first ones in the office. And I don't think that they even truly understood yet that it wasn't as diagnostic as they were kind of sharing it with me because mm -hmm. they told me that, you know, with 99% accuracy, Owen would have Down syndrome. Now I know much more about that. And I know that that was not really my risk chances yeah. or increased chances. But so I feel like there was just a lot of gray area. It was really presented to us like it was a diagnostic test. And so we didn't even think to do the amnio or Oh, we just prepared okay. for our pregnancy the rest of the way that he would have Down syndrome and then it was confirmed after he was born. So, wow. And that's, but that's terrible though, because lots of people are making decisions based on something that's still a screen, yeah. right? And yeah. I, and I, know... I think it's changing. Like as, as people are the genetics counselors and perinatologists and, and maternal fetal medicine specialists are understanding it more in OBGYNs. Mm -hmm. I think that they do understand much more about the testing now. And so I don't hear that quite as much as we used to that, you know, oh, they good. were told that it was a positive diagnosis at that point. So I think there is definitely some change happening, mm -hmm. but you know, I think for me, I think it's a bigger issue with most people when they're taking those tests, they might not even realize what those screens are going to potentially be telling them. They might just want to know if they're having a boy or a girl. Mm -hmm. We find that a lot in the yeah. pregnancy group, you know, that a family takes the test and they don't know what else it's going to say. And it comes back with a positive screen. So right. I think that's kind of our next area where we're really working with people on. Oh, well, that's awesome. Because as we know, because it, it was just coming on the market when I was having Ainsley, I hadn't even heard about it, mm -hmm. I think until shortly after she was born. But I wouldn't, I don't even know if I would have taken it you know, I just went for the, you know, after I had the one in five chance, then I just went for the amnio to confirm to, because I needed to know from my own yeah. sanity, I guess. Like some people are fine waiting yeah. it out, which is okay. But, um, you know, I, yeah. for me personally, yeah, I, I definitely needed to know. And so I know that I've seen on the various posts that you guys are going to various medical conferences and, mm -hmm. and things like that. So I'm, I've been really curious if you're hearing back from the pr practitioners or the doctors or the genetics counselors that what the DSDN is doing or providing them, if it's making a difference for them, like the ones who are actually giving the diagnosis. Yeah, it's been really powerful. So, so far, I think we've gone to almost six national conferences or regional conferences since we started in November wow. last year or October, excuse me. And it's been primarily focused on OBGYNs, mm -hmm. but we've also gone to a genetics counselor meeting and a nursing meeting. So it's been really just 
so great to sit and talk with practitioners about what they're really seeing and hearing in their offices, what it looks like to let them know that how many resources are out there nationally, locally. We always try to take the local resources also to let them know about what, you know, they could have somebody reach out to mm -hmm. if they're looking for that at the time. The biggest aha I think that we've had is finding this disconnect with the, the clinicians and with the parents about who are about what that diagnosis moment really is mm -hmm. because I we're finding that most clinicians think that unless you're giving a positive diagnostic test screen or pipe not screen a positive test result from the diagnostic test that that's really not truly a diagnosis because you know a screen is just a screen right. but most parents are kind of in the opposite head you know once they hear that those words your child might have down syndrome or a different condition that might mm -hmm. be coming up on anything, then, you know, that's when immediately I think most parents start to go into the Googling and researching and finding out more mode mm -hmm. and really thinking like this is probably the path. And so it's been really great talking with them about what resources they can provide, you know, as a pre-counseling or at the beginning of even this diagnosis conversation at the screen or even pre-screening what that looks like. And so we can really help kind of get everybody on the same page. So that way everybody does have all of the correct information and resources mm -hmm. that they need at that moment. Yeah, that's, that is very true because as soon as you hear pos like I remember when I got the, your baby has a one in five chance. I think she actually told me I had a one in five chance for all of the three trisomies, but I don't really remember that, right? I just remember her mm -hmm. saying Down syndrome. And I th I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure she also said trisomy 18 and trisomy 13, but I had never heard of those before. So it didn't really right. mean that much to me. But then of course, you know, you go home and you start Googling, which is mm -hmm. not the right thing to do as we know, mm -hmm. but, and it's scary, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's definitely very scary. And I think that is so great that you guys are going to these major conferences where all these people who are the ones that are usually the first person that's going to talk to you or tell you about, you know, your child might have Down syndrome or, you know, or a positive result. And so I know that like me personally, I'm part of the whole, I've done some fundraising. So I know like this year, why don't you, can you share how much has been fundraised like this year? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this year from the fundraising, primarily through the retreat fundraising, mm -hmm. fundraising we raised over $500,000, which is just incredible. It is. It's just yeah. incredible. We are just so, so beyond thrilled that everyone believes in our work and mm -hmm. mission and is willing to support it. And we are so excited because now we really can keep doing all these things. This year we had put in over $100,000 into medical outreach because we finally had a really good solid plan of what we felt like could start to move the needle mm -hmm. in this conversation and really start moving providers and patients closer together in this diagnosis conversation gap. And it's it's been awesome to watch. And as we kind of get through this year and see where we're at with things, it will be great we know now that we are supported as an organization that we can continue to make these plans and be really effective with our dollars and fundraising money so we can really continue to make a huge impact for all families. Oh, I know. And I, I'm, I'm sure so many families can attest to that. And I know like a lot of the fundraising goes so that you, that the DSDN can go to these various conferences, but what are some of the other things that the DSDN does like that the fundraising goes to? 
Absolutely. So we, another really big portion of our work is um, our Rock and Family Fund. Mm -hmm. And that got established within our first year of being an organization, more out of necessity. And once we lost a few babies that first year, we thought, oh my gosh, we need to be able to do something for these families that we've been so connected with and supporting. And so one of the first things that came out of our Rock and Family Fund was the memorial wind chimes that Mm -hmm. we send to families when they lose a child or a baby. And so it's, it was really a hard piece to get into place, but emotionally, but it's been so fulfilling. We're also now sending welcome gifts to families when they join our group. So they get a welcome gift and a congratulations because we feel like it's so important that every family hears Mm -hmm. those words right away. Um, We're sending pregnancy welcome gifts now. So when a new mom joins our private pregnancy group, we send her a gift. Oh, wow. We are working on some dad gifts. So we're working (laughs) on lots of different pieces of that. We send care cards when families are in the hospital or having an you know, extra things going on, we are able to send them the gift card and just mm-hmm. so they know we're thinking of them and, you know, help out on some level. Mm-hmm. And then we also offer scholarships mm-hmm. to NDSC and the DSDN events to help more families get those connections as well. So that's Rock amazing. and Family Fund has been huge. Yeah, it's yeah. that's huge. Like you guys are doing so much and that's just wonderful. Like, did you ever think it was going to get this big? Oh gosh, no, never. I mean, I, I don't think I ever, I, I got into this for very selfish reasons because <laughs> I wanted support from other parents. Mm-hmm. That was what I needed in those moments. And so I really never thought any bigger than that, other than we're just going to continue to create these private groups for families. So that way they always have some people to connect to. And, you know, now we're up to, gosh, over 10,000 families in a group. Oh my we are gosh. At Right. I know, which seems just unbelievable to me. And primarily a lot of them have children under the age of five or six, like when we started. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty good portion of families. Mm -hmm. Then we also have, you know, the subgroups that help people connect on even a deeper level around certain topics like our cancer support group, infantile spasms and seizures, heart conditions, single parenting. You know, there's all sorts of different groups out there Mm -hmm. because we know once you're in this community, you know, we all have so many things in common and finding ways to kind of break it down, especially in our big groups to make it more connected and more manageable in smaller groups has really been powerful. So yeah, no, I never would have guessed in a million years, but I'm just so proud of people who've believed in our work and have come mm-hmm. alongside us. You know, we have over a hundred people volunteering for us on some level all the time, whether they're helping moderate and admin mm-hmm. in our online groups, whether they're helping, you know, with some of the rock and family fun things, whether they're helping with medical outreach, we just have so many people working alongside us and it's amazing. Yeah, it is. And because it just wouldn't happen without all those volunteers, right? For sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And so like, I think there's over like about 50 subgroups, is there, or do you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's over 50. So how do people get into one of those groups so what do what do they need to do like I know I'm in yep. a, several like I'm in the Canadian Rock and Moms group and also the yep. Rockin' It Solo among, and then a few others so but yep. how do how does someone find the groups and because there's like I like you said there's something for everyone in those subgroups there is there is. So the easiest ways to do it, once you're in one of the, getting into one of the birth club groups is kind of the key. So mm-hmm. once you're in one of the birth club groups, it's really important to us that people understand how our groups function and that we really are about support and resources and 
that's what we're hoping for. And so once people are in those birth club groups, then there's links in there to all of the different categories and subgroups. And so that's an easy way to get to it being in the birth club. And Mm -hmm. then there's a list in those. The other way is through our website. It has a member resources page that has all of the subgroups listed right there too, that you can click right to. Okay, perfect. And we'll get, we'll put all those links in the show notes as well. So people can easily find it. And and if they go on Facebook, is it just, do they just look up Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network or can they just search DSDN or? Yep. Yep. Usually DSDN, they're all labeled with DSDN. So okay. yes, searching with just DSDN is a pretty easy way to find kind of all the categories. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's, that's great. Makes it easy. And you were just saying like, you've never envisioned that it would get this big, but it is this big now. Like what's your vision for the DSDN? Yeah, you know, we created a three-year strategic plan a few years ago, the board did, and we are getting near to the end of that strategic plan. And so it'll be really exciting as they, the next year, really start to dive into that and redrafting it and renewing it and reviewing it all to see what the next steps are. For me, I just hope that we continue to keep our focus on families during those beginning days and that newly diagnosed families so that way they can find all the local and national resources that they are wanting at that Mm -hmm. point in time. So they can really navigate their journey the way they want to. And, you know, and then being able to impact that medical conversation. I I know we never thought that that would be an easy step of this, Of course, but we have made such amazing headway in the last year, you know, next month we're, or I guess this is already July. Whoops. This month. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> we are we're doing um, a training session at CREOG, which is a the OBGYN arm of the ACOG national group of the residents training. So we are going to be having two hours with a bunch of residents about delivering the diagnosis and what that looks like from the patient side and what recommendations we would give and what resources. And to me, that's just huge that we're going to be impacting those Mm -hmm. new up and coming OBGYNs and their residency programs. So that way they can spread that information as well. So, you know, never would have guessed that we would be here, but it's just been incredible. And for our listeners, can you just say what ACOG stands for so that they know? Oh, sure. It's the Academy (laughs) of Obstetrics and Gynecologists. It's our national OBGYN organization in America in the states yeah okay that's what I thought yep. I actually yep. didn't I didn't realize that's what it stood for I mean I knew what it was but <laughs> yeah and that's so, okay I, I don't know either I'm sure time, we have something I'm... like that in Canada too but to mm-hmm. be honest I don't know I don't know what it's called and then you know we've talked a little bit too about the retreat because I'm so excited I know lots of people are excited about the retreat the rock and mums retreat because last year was the first year that I was able to go maybe tell us like what it is and what happens when we're at the retreat. Sure. Yeah. You know, the retreat came out of us wanting to all get together from these online groups that Mm -hmm. we thought, you know, we're all talking and getting such close friendships. Like let's, let's find a time that we can all meet. And so in 2015 was our first year, we Mm -hmm. met in a little airport hotel in (laughs) Minneapolis because that was close for a lot of us and easy to fly into for some other people. And 90 of us spent that weekend and it was just a really powerful weekend of sharing stories. And it was very emotional, very, Mm -hmm. very emotional weekend. And 
we thought, oh my gosh, this is something like, okay, let's keep going. This is going to be our one weekend a year where we do something for ourselves and hopefully recharge. We did have to do a lot of tweaking after the first year because it was so emotional. Like we all felt like we needed a retreat after the retreat because you just, <laughs> we were so just, you know, it was so emotional. And um, I just, we've so, sorry, just want to say, I just, I thought I recalled reading somewhere that you weren't sure if anyone would come. Is that true? Oh, for sure. Yeah. We were like, well, let's see if anybody wants to come, let's do it. And <laughs> we had 90 people. We were like, score. It's more than just the five of us. Like, let's do it. Like, awesome. So it really was awesome. It, you know, the next year it was kind of the same. We were like, okay, we're going to head to, let's see, let's Dallas. There's a lot of moms from Texas here. We're going to go to Dallas next year and <laughs> do our thing there. And, and then we had 120 moms and we were like, okay, all right. Mm -hmm. We grew a little bit. This is yeah. awesome. Like good stuff. And then we were like, okay, where else? Chicago, let's go there. And in Chicago, we planned for 150 moms. Mm -hmm. And because we had had 120, that was about the same increase we saw within the first four days of registration, we sold out. Oh gosh. And so <laughs> we, we thought, okay, this is going to be a different ballgame this year. And we, had just, we'd already gotten everything aligned with the hotel and signed contracts and they were able to give us a little bit more space so we could grow up to 300. So we did that and we sold out of the rest of them pretty quickly. Also, we had a wait list all summer. Wow. So it was just incredible. And we had 400 the next year in Phoenix. And yeah. then this year we had planned for 500 <laughs> in Nashville. And Again, within about a week, we were sold out and going back to the hotel saying, can we have more space? And we were able to grow to about 750 this year or so. And we've been still having to turn people away. Yeah. So never in a million years would have guessed that that would have looked like that. But, you know, the whole purpose of the retreat is for parent moms to connect, mm -hmm. get inspired and be recharged. That is the whole focus of the weekend. We plan some events for moms to attend and come to and hopefully really grow and learn and think about those pieces on their own, mm -hmm. or they might choose to, you know, take a nap if they want to. And Hey, we support that too. But really, I mean, moms get so excited about coming. Mm -hmm. It's oftentimes the only time the moms are able to get away because for some of us, it is more challenging mm -hmm. to do that with childcare or something like that going on. So we're glad we can provide this space for the moms that are interested in coming. And we're just so excited. This year was our second dad's retreat also. Oh, is they, this a second? We had a 15, yes, last year we had 15 dads go to Chicago awesome. to do the first retreat. Yeah. And this year we have 60 dads in Denver. So we're super excited that will be happening in August. And we're just continuing to kind of evolve these events to really just make the focus all about the parent and mm -hmm. how we can support them on this journey. That's amazing. I mean, I know the the mom's retreat there's there there's a wait list what about the dads can the is that closed or can dads still yes, register same thing yep yep we had actually planned for 50 dads and increased to 60 because that's what we were able to do with their event out so yes that is closed also oh that is amazing because I mean I always just talk about the moms but I mean I know it's the dads as well but and I mean, their retreat, I'm sure would look a little bit different than ours, but I'm sure they get so much out of it. Because, you know, for me, I was just on such a high after I came back and, and I just chatted with uh, Kelsey a few episodes ago. She's um, a rockin' mom who has eight bio kids and then she adopted two uh, rockin' kiddos. And mm -hmm. she said, yeah, I was on a total high and, and I know, and I'm so excited to see all the women that I met last year and Gosh, yeah, because it's something that's so needed for us mamas, as I, as obviously you found out. 
Yeah. Because who would have yeah, thought? It's, it's just been wild that way. I mean, and, but it's, you know, I think women in general, just if once you become a mom, you just stop putting the focus on you because that's what most of us, you know, mm-hmm. just get down that path and you start focusing on your kiddos and yeah. it's just life. But, you know, carving out this time and space and I think has been really key and it's, it's hard. I know we start to get lots of moms that just have such anxiety about, you know, leaving their family or mm-hmm. coming alone or, you know, whatever that looks like. But the results from our surveys each year are just always wonderful that parents are finding time to get away for themselves and feeling really recharged and ready to just go back and take on their house in the world afterwards. Well, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like I, I came back and I felt like I feel like I can conquer the world. I don't need to conquer the world, but I feel like I can. Right? Good. Or at least your laundry piles or something. You know, like that's how I feel like when we get home, it's like, I, I know it's, it's just something about being in a space with other people who just really get your journey. Mm-hmm. We had Be- Bethany Van Dolph, one of our new board members, was mm-hmm. sharing with us last year about just connecting with families on a different level and, and her experiences. And she talks about like somebody coming in during the second season of your life and mm-hmm. you having to kind of catch them all up on season one. Yeah. And I, I think about that a lot because, you know, when you come to this event, all the moms there have been feeling on some level, the way you have, and they, you know, go through some of the same things and are dealing with some of the same things. And so you just kind of, you don't have to sit and tell your whole life story on that part because Mm -hmm. everybody just comes in understanding like, okay, I know this is your layer of stuff you have going on. Now we're also going to talk about ourselves too. And how do you guys decide where you're going to do the retreat each year? I'm always curious because we're always waiting with bated breath where the next one is going to be. I know, I know. can't wait like I am so and you know now we are such more in the planning mode for 2020 than we are for 2019 when we get to this level like we're doing all the stuff for next year now and so I've almost said I've almost said the location about five times this week even like just because it's (laughs) in my head so I'm trying to keep it on the down low as much as possible but yeah it's at this point, it's been more about um, accessibility for people. We Mm -hmm. really try hard to keep costs down for families. Mm -hmm. And so we try to choose spots where it's easy to fly into. And if people are flying or driving, we try to kind of rotate it around a little bit so that people could drive more easily from different areas. And we look at where the other national events are happening too. So we can try to kind of avoid that. So that Mm -hmm. way, you know, new people are getting, you know, different opportunities. So yeah, it's, it's just a lot of pieces in the puzzle. And so, yeah, we haven't chosen the 2021 spot yet. So okay. you can, uh, everyone likes to submit their thoughts. So yeah, just we, let me we know. Can submit. Okay. You know, well, maybe yeah. you can come North <laughs> across the border. Cause... Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I know we would love to do something like that here, you know, but we can talk later. <laughs> it along to the retreat team because they're the ones that get to decide in the board so yeah. I don't have to so it's okay. even better oh okay awesome and so obviously <laughs> the retreats just grown exponentially so where do you see this going um you know that will be another big part of our strategic plan discussion about what the event looks like and you know how we make it accessible for parents so yeah that will be a big next step of the discussion and I think we'll know a lot more after this year too mm-hmm. after the much bigger group and just yeah. getting feedback you know data and information is really important to us and to make sure that we are really providing the services that we say we are so we're looking forward to getting feedback from this year we're 
putting some really great pieces in place purposefully to make it not feel as big as it will be. So we're looking forward to seeing how it all plays out and what everybody thinks. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. I and and it, I don't know if we said it, but it's in Nashville, and I never thought I would ever go to Nashville. But here I'm going. I got to learn some country songs before I go. There you go. <laughs> You'll love it. You know, we, I was happened to be there for another event a few weeks ago, and just the amount of just if you're a music lover, I think you're going to love Nashville, regardless of its country or not. But oh, okay. The, when we we walked down one of the streets, and there are just literally in every single bar restaurant there's just live bands playing all sorts of music like I heard 80s rock a lot and I love that kind of stuff so I was digging I also love country so that doesn't bother me but it was yeah it was so much fun so I know that we're all going to have a great time and I can't wait to host everybody oh I know it's going to be exciting so and then so once again so how can people find DSDN and join this amazing community Yep, the easiest ways um, are you can email to get into one of the small groups or just going to our website, which is dsdiagnosisnetwork.org. Mm-hmm. And if you click on connections, it has all the birth club groups right there. And once you're into those birth club groups, then you can find lots of other information. You're also always welcome to call or email us and we can help get you on the right track. Also, if you search on Facebook, like we were saying, go to our Facebook main page and that gets a lot of connections to different things. Or you can just search the Facebook groups with DSDN too. Oh, awesome. That's that's great. That makes it nice and easy for people to, to find DSDN. I really appreciate you taking your time out of your busy summer schedule with four kiddos to talk with us today. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in Nashville. And maybe I'll have some country songs in my head by then. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be great. And thank you for doing this and the podcast. I think the more resources we can offer parents and stories and experiences, I just think help our community so much. So thank you guys for doing this. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And it's been great connecting with lots of other moms out there and hearing their stories. And, and that's what I'm also looking forward to is like just finding other out other people's stories that so that I can share them on the T21 mom podcast. So that's wonderful. Thanks, Jen. Is it September yet? <laughs> Is it September yet? Almost. 60 days or less. We're getting there. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Jen. I look forward to seeing you in September. Thanks so much, Mary. You're welcome. You know, Mary, I'm kind of jealous I'm not going to this retreat or to the dad's retreat, even though I'm not a dad. You guys just sound like you have so much fun. It is so much fun. And I know that there are so many mamas looking forward to this retreat. And there's a group of us Canadian mums going and we are all getting our special shirts ready for the retreat and it's just going to be exciting. I can't wait. And this is really just the cap off to all the great work that the, you know, that Jen and her people do at the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network. Yeah, because there was a lot of fundraising involved. You know, that's where the majority, I think, of their fundraising comes from and they raised over half a million dollars. It's crazy and it's so exciting that they'll be able to use that money to do so many wonderful things. And, and the projects that they're putting on, like yeah. the, the projects that they're actually doing with the money, is it's all going to that. Yeah, to right? educate these professionals on how they give a diagnosis and to support new moms. I think it's amazing. Which, as we've discussed, you know, the diagnosis thing uh, or the diagnosis process through you and so many of the other uh, mothers and that we've spoken with is – that's one of those make or break moments as to how you start to deal with the process after the diagnosis. Exactly. Like you said, you said it, it's the make or break point 
for the beginning of your journey because it, it's, a, you know, as I've said, it's, it's a really hard time. But if you have the proper supports and if you've given, if you've been given the diagnosis in at the very least an unbiased way, I think then you, you're just already set on a much better track as opposed to being told all the gloom and doom and, and things that I've heard numerous times from numerous people, how the diagnosis was given to them. So, so it makes it easier to go from panic to process. Exactly. And, you know, and that's what the DSDN is doing. And, and I think they're opening doors and opening eyes to the whole diagnosis experience. Well, they're doing great work. And speaking of great work, where's our next show? Well, actually, we're going to do a little special. We are actually going to be talking to Brian Donovan. And he was one of the speakers at the the retreat last year. And I tell you, it was amazing to hear him speak about his sister, Kelly. There was not a dry eye in the house. And just, it, I was so happy that we got the opportunity to speak to him. And he was, he was an amazing guest. Yes, he was. And I really hope that everyone out there who listens, that they feel the same way after speaking to him or listening to him and hearing what he has to say. And also for all those other rockin' moms who were at the retreat last year who heard him. And, you know, so we decided to make it like a little bit of a special because it is a bit of a longer episode. And you can take your time and listen to it over the weekend. And enjoy it because like Brian is a very engaging speaker and Mm -hmm. he, he speaks really well in terms of his process with his sister Kelly and their amazing relationship. Yeah, yeah. And I feel really honored that he agreed to come on and just to share, you know, his life with Kelly and what that was like. And, you know, because it was a different time than we are in now. And it was really enlightening to me. And I think our listeners will get a lot from his experiences and his story and everything that he has to offer. It's a very, very entertaining episode. I really enjoyed being part of that interview. So that's coming up very soon. Uh, here on the T21 Mom podcast. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. And Mary, we got a, we actually got an email. Yes, I'm so glad that people are contacting us and finding us. So this is just a little shout out to Heather in Southern California, who is actually pregnant and is due soon. And I'm so excited that she reached out and asked a couple of questions and said how much she's enjoying the podcast. And, you know, she also said she's a planner like me and I could tell from her emails and And that's awesome. And I wish her all the best in her continued pregnancy and her welcoming her little bub. And I I hope that she sends another email once he's born. Great. Well, thank you, Heather, for letting us know how you're doing. And uh, we'd appreciate hearing from you, you know, like Mary says, after the great day. Yes. And we'd love to hear from others as well. Just let us know what's going on. You can even send us pictures through Instagram or on our Facebook. And uh, through the email. Or through our email, too. Info at T21mom.com. That's right. All right. So lead us out. Thanks for listening to the T21 Mom podcast. And I would love to hear from you. What things are important to you as you navigate this journey of special needs and Down syndrome? How are you doing things your way? Drop us a line at our email at info at T21mom.com. And T21mom is all one word. And let us know what's going on in your life. Or you can go to our website and leave us a message there or you can also find us on facebook at t21 mom keep on loving on your rocking kiddos and we will see you next time see you mary bye ron